0: Mike one and two awesome um yeah back on the fgc podcast salt shakers nz homegrown uh, but uh, this time i'm grabbing another australian player uh the legendary taj garo we were just talking about the the clip the intro i just said oh that was it was very funny very ideal i was like that's so you in your mode in your... <laughs> yeah man yeah. um yeah just a, yeah give us a brief rundown as to who you are what you're all about what you do
1: yeah, no worries. Well, first and foremost, thanks, Drex, uh, for inviting me to the podcast. It's—I uh, feel like it, being able the, uh, to be given the opportunity to come to any of the to do any of these podcasts is always an honor. So yeah. So the basic introduction—introduction, uh, introduction, I should say. My name is Taj Garo. I am a uh, fighting game enthusiast, uh, TO streamer, all around fighting game fan and uh, been basically playing fighters for, like, probably since the age of six, but more consistently been playing since, like, 1999, since uh, Third Strike came out, basically. But uh, I guess the way how to describe sort of my story of how I got into FGC, we kind of have to look at it in a sort of like a pre-FGC and a... uh, middle FGC and post-FGC. Okay. So so the way how it is, is uh, before I joined, like I was always playing fighting games, like um, whether they be at the arcades or getting arcade ports on like consoles, like the original Xbox or the PS2. Um, so yeah, during the quote-unquote dark ages of the fighting game scene of the 2000s, like I was always playing so always trying to find whatever new fighting game was coming out and just something that piqued my interest, whether it be like a play style, a character, uh, even like even the lore of the games, it's themselves. So um, but for those who may know me as well is that um, nowadays I'm predominantly an, an SNK guy, so I'm sort of repping the, uh the Oceania scene or trying to sort of, let people know around the uh, the globe that our region definitely has the fandom, the excitement, as well as like the high level players, who uh, definitely need to be given the the spotlight. Uh, and so, and I try to do that with my platform. Yeah. So then, how that relates to like how I became an SNK fan actually is basically in the year 2003. So I remember coming across two SNK titles. That were, I guess you can say the uh, the Eureka moments of where I sort of immediately fell in love with SNK games. Uh and that was King of Fighters two thousand and three and SVC Chaos SNK versus Capcom, which as a fan of also arcade games and collecting arcade games, I have the those two PCBs of those arcade games. Wow. So uh um, so my introduction to SNK basically started with those two games, however obviously in the 90s when the Super Nintendo was pretty popular i um oblivious that uh, in the video stores where I used to rent out games fighting games mostly uh, I would um, rent out Art of Fighting yeah. and Fatal Fury So, and I thought that those games were made by a company called Takara but then I, upon realization, Takara was the uh, the company that did the ports for those games, and uh, and then I found out that they were SNK games. So in reality, I started playing SNK games basically during like the Super Nintendo era. So when I was like about eight, nine years old, um, constantly renting out Art of Fighting because it was. Uh, something i enjoyed the fact yeah. that there was a, there was like a story element to it and i always want i also had issues renting fatal fury 2 or fatal fury special is because every time i go to the video shop it was rented out <laughs> yeah so i always had to rent Art of fighting
0: dude i i have that same moment like you there's that one game that you want to get at the video store when you know mm. they were around and yeah you want to continue and you're just like for god's sake who's this dude that keeps taking up the next the next game <laughs> Yeah. yeah,
1: so yeah, um, so that's basically, uh, I feel like, yeah, there was the moment where I had the Eureka moment, and then there was that time where I just didn't know that I was playing an SNK fighting game, so um, so I guess those kind of games were like where it all sort of started for that appreciation for fighters, but as I have mentioned, um, I, I sort of advertised myself as a, a fighting game enthusiast, so I'm happy to like talk about like fighters of all kinds. So, obviously, like anyone who came into the scene, um, like I started off with Street Fighter, uh, like Street Fighter 2 on the Super Nintendo. But then, so sort of I really sort of got my uh, fix and fix for competitive play was when Street Fighter 3 came out in 1999. And uh, like my local arcade used to have tournaments and stuff, but like the play level was nothing like people were trying to play the game like it was street fighter 2 yeah so like i had the the slight upper hand um but yeah the i guess taking it super seriously like playing like winning competitions and that that never really sort of was my uh intention back then because i was always preoccupied with studies uh and uh, sports as well which uh, we can talk a little bit later
0: yeah
1: uh, um so, yeah, um, so I guess you can say, like, most of the 2000s, the pre FTC era, before I joined the FTC, I was still playing fighting games, um, but, yeah, I always, regardless, I would try any and every, whether it be Street Fighter, Tekken, Soul Calibur, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, uh, like, even early anime fighters, or, like, just like anything i could get my hands on
0: yeah that's pretty that's pretty rare i mean we all play various fighting games but it's rare that you find someone in the scene that really they really cater they really support all multiple fighting games if they're only if they're specialized in one thing can i ask with snk do you feel like the relationship for snk games because you know you have your street fighters you have your tekkins your marvel Mm. players are crazy but how do you how do you how has snk because i feel like king of fighters has been around for years but i feel like mm. there's still a lot of people that don't know you were talking about that rich history and the mm. essence the characters the playstyle. Mm. it's really interesting seeing this new game come out now KOF 15 and how street fighters street fighter players are touching it certain yeah. 3d players are as well like what's your mm. what's your uh insight in terms of the relationship how people view snk fighters it feels like people are really discovering snk you know mm. core game. you know just the the mm. sense the essence of snk games
1: Mm. So uh, I feel like how they feel about SNK in general is that it was a company that made great fighting games but they like unintentionally made them like difficult. Like the execution aspect of it was always something that was more uh sort of a bit of a deterrent for like people new or like people who play other fighters who wanted to get into it. Um but for anyone who does play like KOF can explain to um to anyone who's new to KOF that uh, like things that you've learned in like other fighting games can in some way be transferred into the into the, the KOF series obviously there there's like a bit of contention about like oh like the buffer system in SNK games is out of whack it's like it's not the it's not normal yeah but uh, but for anyone who played those type of games for many many years, you know that that's just how it is. It's like you put the matter of practice in. But one other great thing about when you see um, like KOF, uh, not KOF, when you see Street Fighter or Tekken players or even anime fighter players try something like like the latest King of Fighters, is how they're applying different uh, tactics from how they play the other games into a KOF. So they're almost wanting to learn the way how KOF is played, but they're always throwing in their own touch into it. So as an observer of someone who plays KOF and understands like the quote-unquote legacy skill, it's kind of refreshing to see the, how, how they approach the learning process, how they approach a matchup, how they, um, how they use their already fundamental knowledge an understanding of fighters, and then apply it into something like King of Fighters. But in general, like SNK, um, definitely from like a gameplay perspective, has always been sort of been perceived as like difficult, like hard execution-wise. Um, but as far as like characters and personalities, it's always had the the appeal. Like I mean, look at when you go on Twitter or something, you'll see people do artwork for. Uh, King, Jeremy, like the female cast, as well as the guy, the males as well. Um, like, there's just love there. And then it's just, yeah, I guess that's what I can say with regards to the, that relation of how other players have to SNK games.
0: Yeah. Well, I'm a, I'm a Tekken player, and I know that <clears throat> Tekken Tang 2 wasn't the best part in that franchise's history. What was that part for King of Fighters? Like, was what was that part? point in that game's that franchise's history that seemed like did they ever have a troubled time um, in terms of like development or being received by players
1: um, I mean if we to talk a little bit about like like the history of like King of Fighters like I think any game that's been released in the series some have been received more positively and then others have been maybe criticized or maybe just lambasted because they just weren't up to scratch or up to par. Um, I mean, there's definitely been a few games in the mainline KOF series that have sort of dropped the ball. Um, like the the general consensus is that KOF 2000, uh, not KOF 2012. I was going to say, yeah, KOF 12, I should say, is the one that's sort of perceived as like the black sheep. It was like um, it was heavily rushed. It was like one of the games that was supposed to celebrate the 15th anniversary of king of fighters and it was advertised as the rebirth of the series and by that time the we haven't had a king of fighters game probably for like five six years with the last one coming out on the thomas wave on the kof 11 um so yeah there was definitely high expectations for kof 12 to do well but unfortunately it uh it bombed. It didn't have anything, and it was definitely like an, a a rushed development. Um, so that's from a more like modern Kofs. But then back in the back in the sort of the two thousands era, for anyone that knows that the first rendition of SNK went bankrupt in two thousand and one. So Kof two thousand and one and two thousand and two were developed by Elif, which was a Korean based company. And uh, like 2002 was definitely like a great game in its own right, while 2001 was still falling on the the, the, the marks of what KOF um, the NES saga was with the strikers. so there, there definitely has been like tumultuous uh, development time for uh, for King of Fighters, and obviously now with King of Fighters 15 come out now, which was originally supposed to come out in 2021, but then got pushed to 2022 because of various reasons yeah
0: and how and how and how has things been with you with like covid and everything bro like have you had to change like has it affected you that much or everything's
1: um, I mean, if, if we're, if we're asking like, uh, like the actual question, like, are you okay? <laughs> yeah. Are you <laughs> then, okay? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I've been, I've been okay. So I've, I've had like a number of people like ask me like, how are you coping with the, like, with the like lockdowns, um uh, like no offline events, um, and, and also many other things. I've been doing it pretty well. Um, like obviously, There are are times where you do just want to get together, go to, like, a pub and, like, have a drink, talk about life, talk about music, talk about games. I mean, as far as, like, FGC side of things, it's missing going to offline events. Um, It's just mainly because the like restrictions and then also the fear of catching the catching covid and then not being able to work so you also have to prioritize do you go out and have a social life meet with a crowd of people then the chance of catching covid or you play it safe uh you stay at home you isolate and you um you do something else to pass the time so i yeah
0: but hey with that rollback that rollback netcode, though, like it must be really great playing at home now. I,
1: it, it is, it's
0: really good. I, I, it's really good netcode that game. I'm really surprised.
1: Yeah, like King of Fighters 15, um, has definitely, uh, sort of delivered as far as like the, the online match, uh, like the online play. Like, it's from the first beta that had some like, um, uh, one sided rollback issues, and then they resolved it in the second beta. King of Fighters 15 definitely has uh, is in a good place with regards to, like the online play. There are just a couple of little nitpicking things uh, that people address like the matchmaking could be a little bit better, but I think SNK are um, aware of those issues. So they are trying their best to resolve those so people can find each other whether they're doing casual matches or ranked matches. yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, the, on the topic of like quickly on the rollback situation, obviously Right now, like, m- most of the attention is on um, uh, King of Fighters 15. But obviously, with the start of the pandemic of in the 20, 2020, uh, then SNK sort of started to consider, okay, we should probably start porting or getting this rollback netcode into our other games. So um, dealing with COVID also uh, kind of helped me uh, sort of expand my like streaming capabilities because prior to that, when like King of Fighters 14 was a thing, I would only kind of stream maybe once a week or, yeah. or something like that. But then when like SNK started to come up with this news that like like the games their code mystic ports are going to be getting rollback netcode, then I thought, okay, now I have a chance to stream these games and to show people these amazing games that I also personally love as well. So games obviously garo mark of the wolves that's classic kind of, that's kind of like a classic and it's kind of become like a a signature of me and like people come to watch me play garo and talk about it last Blade 2 uh samurai showdown 5 special uh like many and even like the latest the kof 98 umfe and 2k2 um that those games have been out for much longer than the code mystic ports and they basically add rollback netcode and the addition of lobbies, which we're still waiting for Garo, Last Blade Two, and Sam Show Five special, which would be a nice incentive. But uh yeah, I guess SNK right now are probably prioritizing the uh the post launch content for King of Fighters fifteen, which makes sense. Yeah. But uh it would be nice that if uh, SNK does give the Garo fans um like uh, spectating and lobbies option in Garo Mark the Wolves, yeah. Code Mystic 4.
0: Well, you, you just mentioned KOF 14. <clears throat> Did you dig that yep. game at all? It it, it handled pretty nice. I, I wasn't, I guess when you look at 14 and then the characters in 15, like some characters look like they've been completely transformed and it's just the minor touches, you know, like mm. looking a bit more buffer or just altering the the default costume in a sort of way. Mm. Did you dig King of Fighters 14?
1: Yeah, no, I, um, I mean, I was just at that point when, uh, when KOF 14 got announced and like the news that was coming out in that year was like a, it was like, it means, yes, yes, we're getting another KOF in, it meant that there was hope that SNK are going back to making console games and rather moving away from their other shady business ventures. Yeah. pachinko. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So yeah, no, I was really happy with the like the gameplay wise. Obviously, the the the, the, the conception is that uh, is that people always bag on the graphics when the game got initially teased. But uh, I feel uh, for a game that uses uh, an in-house proprietary engine in comparison to um, uh, Unreal Engine, what King of Fighters Fifteen is using, I think it's definitely a it was a good solid effort from SNK for King of Fighters fourteen, but it's definitely, like, a major graphical improvement and also, like, character presentations on, like, the finer details, like their idle animations, uh, how certain uh, features of characters have been maybe emphasized or de-emphasized. Depends how it is. Yeah. Um, like, presentation, I think the SNK definitely put it up there as, like, it had to have a good presentation. Not just, like, the like the character models and that. And obviously the debate there is, oh, there's just recycled character models. Um, when you have a game that has that big of a roster, you, you kind of want to reuse things, like small elements of those models, and then line up those touches so when they are implemented into a new engine, they can really pop and like work really, really well
0: yeah um yeah who who personally looked good for you who translated from 14 to 15 very well
1: hmm. and it doesn't have oh. to be a visual
0: thing it could just be like as you said you know it could just be like little minor aesthetics it could just be mm. their game plan itself how it just i don't know just who which character took it out for you
1: um i mean there are just so many great characters um i feel I definitely feel uh, like a major improvement is making the characters really, like, it. It you gave them more personality with the details that the late that the new KOF game has. Um, like maybe cloth physics are one thing, which is pretty good. Um, but I mean, if I have to say like one character that I feel has such a great. New redesign or like translates looks really good. That really surprised me. It's probably Antonov.
0: Antonov, like, yeah,
1: yeah. Because Antonov, like, he, he almost looked like a like a generic sort of businessman, in a way, and like you felt like you didn't have a connection with him. Like he was like this uh, selfish, like self proclaimed champion of the King of Fighters tournament, and just. I don't know how people connected with him in that version but then once like once I saw that trailer for Antonov and I saw that he had a hat and a sunnies and the scarf my immediate thought, like many fans who are also fans of professional wrestling was like man that is so Randy Savage the yeah, macho man literally. ooh yeah <laughs> so like and I and that just that change in the design really I think made people really appreciate that like Antonov is more than just like this kind of selfish guy who thinks he's the greatest thing since sliced bread. But yeah, now it just, that kind of transition made me uh, uh, have a bigger connection and appeal to the character.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So apart from KOF, you know, what does Taj do in his spare time? What does he do when he's offline out of the scene?
1: (laughs) So what am I offline out of the scene? Okay, so um, so what I do is, so I am also a musician in my spare time. I'm not sure if you can see the guitar in the background there, but yeah, I am uh, primarily a guitar player. I, I am also, what you class a multi-instrumentalist. I do play uh, bass guitar and drums. Uh, most of the time, I am kind of working session work here on the Gold Coast with uh, friends who need um, someone on guitar or on bass or drums for accompaniment. Um, yeah, I earn a little bit of money here and there, doing it for fun. Um, for a while, I, um, during my time in the FTC, um, I was kind of in and out of the community, trying to sort of push a bit more uh, sort of like my music ventures, Uh basically trying to focus on a music career essentially, yeah. but that didn't work when you have, uh, three or four projects that you're trying to juggle, which, uh, even to this day, I'm still kind of juggling. So, uh,
0: can you give us info on one of the projects you're juggling?
1: Uh, yeah, I can do that. Uh, so, uh, when I, uh, started, uh, after I finished, uh, high school, I went into, um, so I went into TAFE. So I went for one year into music, um, Music like a music diploma, basically, technical production. And I saw the revelation of electronic music, like the potentials, the sounds, the possibilities, the sonic possibilities. And in that year, in 2006, I came up with like an electronic uh, alias that I use. So it goes by the name Static D. Um, so I was completely oblivious that there was a hardcore punk band called Static X, uh. <laughs> but, uh, I just, I said, well, I'm just going to call myself Static D because, uh, the motif and sort of like a signature of, um, Static D, it was, uh, more like s- uh, perfection and imperfection, like yeah. rather than going for like completely polished sound, something that sort of encompasses what, uh, like electronica is like it, it has interference it has static like not all the time but in some kind of way and in a way sort of inspired by like the sort of like the electronic sounds that i kind of like so um uh, like the ambient sounds of brian eno um sort of the old school sampling beats of moby yeah. uh dj Sa- shadow like instrumental hip-hop kind of inspirations um New age music as well. So like Static D doesn't have like a particular sort of electronic style. Um, It all changes like hip hop, trip hop, uh, down tempo kind of vibes. So I've had that project for a while. Um, And then the other project, uh, which is more rock music, which I recently started is uh, is a project that sort of takes inspiration from like the Balkans, which is uh, where my uh, nationality is at. Okay. So uh, uh, the, ba- uh, the the project is called Velika Shuma, which basically translates to The Great Forest. So combining uh, folk, rock, blues, and fusion sort of music. And I'm still sort of in the process of uh, uh, arranging, uh, writing demos, and also working with a friend of mine who's working on the lyrics. So I guess those two projects are the ones that I'm sort of focusing on at the moment. And then if music that i work for those projects uh don't sound like those things then i generally just release them uh as myself like my own music
0: and i'm guessing being a fellow creative you have your own process in terms of how you work to create those sounds between your different Mm. projects
1: yeah absolutely it's um it all depends like what instrument you use so like you have to sort of put on one hat, take one hat on, put another one on, depending on, like, what you're doing. So if you're playing a piano, you got to think like this. When you play a bass guitar, you play like this. You play drums this way. You play a guitar this way. Well, with a guitar, you can kind of do almost anything and everything because the instrument is so versatile in that regards. Um, so, yeah, there's there's definitely a, a process. Um the idea is just generally with any sort of creativity or any art is to not force the not force the creativity let, yeah. like let it happen let it happen organically whether um whether it's a sound that i heard like walking with friends if i'm on the ocean if i'm on the beach like i listen to like various sounds If, if in the forest i listen to like the different soundscapes and just try to see what sort of inspires um But a lot of the stuff that I make is more sort of instrumental focus. So it is very uh, sort of focusing more on like sonic textures, timbres, very much inspired by uh, like Brian Eno, who sort of pushes the the music in a more kind of intellectual way, but tries to get you to feel something. Not in like a scientific way with someone like Robert Fripp from Kim Crimson, who, who just intentionally wants to make complicated music that sounds dissonant yeah. and difficult to listen to uh, but don't get me wrong Kim Crimson is a great band and uh, uh, Robert Fripp is like a, a visionary guitarist himself so which I take inspiration from as well um, but yeah the, the process is just different depending on like the style of music you're making the instruments you play and then you have to take into consideration the um, the the people that you work with but yep. obviously in the last couple of years it's mostly been working on my own <laughs> with yeah, the occasional gig
0: <laughs> fair enough well is the what's been your most favorite uh you know area pub uh, what's, what's been your favorite location to perform
1: favorite location oh wow um i gotta think of like all the venues that have come and gone <laughs> Here, here on the Gold Coast, uh, uh, I forgot to mention if you guys don't know. Yeah, I'm on the Gold Coast here in Queensland. We've had uh, venues definitely come and go in the last uh, few years, but um, I mean, my sort of personal favorite from my f- from the first band that I played in was a venue called the the Shark Bar. So that's where my band I think got uh, we got our first gig, our first paid gig. Which was in the the, in in Miami, like the the suburb of Miami here on the Gold Coast, and uh, yeah, it was like this long stretch uh, bar. Uh, The sound was terrible. The uh, the sound engineer uh, will turn you down unnecessarily if he feels that you're like pissing him off. Yeah. So. but like I mean, when you're a young band, you kind of uh, you kind of have to learn that. Like, then you learn that you have to respect the sound engineer, like, yeah. or else they will make you sound horrible. So, for for not for me personally, but for my yeah. front my friend who was in the band of my first band that we played in, uh, yeah, he learned that the hard way, and he was the front man. He was the singer and rhythm guitarist. So. People are saying, "Hmm, the rhythm guitar was a little bit quiet, and his <laughs> vocals you can barely hear." And I say, "Oh, just blame the sound guy." He, he uh, my friend, had a go at the sound guy. Wow. Live and learn, mate. I don't know. Live I, and learn.
0: I think about new. I think about like bands when you're performing and you're starting up. Everything leading up to you getting on stage is always terrible. It's like, oh, the waitress brought our food; it was overcooked. There was no toilet paper left in the <laughs> toilet. You know, she ever charged me thirty dollars. But then when you get on the stage, it's You know, you're doing what you do and you love it. And then it's back to the whole, okay, they just lost my luggage at the hotel. i got to go pick up. That's crazy.
1: Still waiting on the tour, actually. Like, most of, like, as as far as, like, touring, like, my band, my first band that I played in, uh, like, we only went as far up as Brisbane to play. So, like, uh, in the many years that I've played music, I've mostly just been playing, like, Southeast Queensland um, and yeah i mean i'm enjoying it i mean one day i would definitely like to like get into a van and yeah do a do circuit sc- eh? Yeah, like do a circuit like like let's say drive all the way down to sydney like or, or even melbourne which which would be quite a while drive all the way down south start the tour down south and then work our way back up that would be like the dream but uh I don't know if people do that anymore because the like digital, just, mu- yeah. digital music, digital music, music, and... and
0: people just fly now. Like they don't do like the typical roadie road band, you know, trip thing.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's 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 not the same, I think, because I mean, you fly, and then it, you you have to then bring your own guitar on a flight. And like the fear that your guitar can get broken, and the yeah. airline doesn't have security for it. You want
0: to play a little tune while you're in the air, but they'll be like, "Oh, well, sorry, the the, the passenger behind you is quiet." Exactly, you, quiet, you
1: can't so, do yeah. that. Yeah, it's 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 just it, when you're in a van with three, four other guys, uh, guys and or gals, uh, you you want to just be able to work on music while you're on the road. Let's say from here to from here to Sydney is about uh, 10, 11 hours, so you can get. You can get stuff done. Yeah, you can, get a couple of songs e- written. You can even record some stuff on a phone. Yeah. And it'll sound good quality. Not like demo stuff. Like, you can use it on recordings.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. <laughs> I've never thought of that. The the, the kind of that culture of, of music, making music, like being in a car and just mm. actively creating stuff. But yeah, nowadays, it's just all on the internet and documented, I guess.
1: Yeah. The It really is a, a bit of a change. I mean, because... like. For guys like you and I, like we're of that generation that sort of grew up with like CDs, cassettes, yeah. like vinyl. I mean, for me, it was mostly cassettes and CDs with my folks having some vinyl. But uh, like to see to see that everything is now becoming digital, uh, like there's less importance on the physical product, and like the ideas of albums not being as important now, being more sort of single focused and eps like four or five track eps which is understandable because i think it's it's a a matter of attention spans like the the attention span has definitely changed for like the uh, for everyone i want i want to i don't want to say just the the younger generation but everyone's attention spans have changed a little bit
0: (laughs) i guess it goes without saying but would you ever want to have music of yours on a vinyl
1: yeah, absolutely. I uh, I would definitely like to. Whether or not the uh, the album or album or forty five inch single is uh, like a concept album or something, I would like to have it just for like memory's sake.
0: Mm.
1: It would be really nice.
0: Would do you have a favorite album or artist that just?
1: Um, so uh, I, I did briefly mention that uh, with my project Velika šuma, uh, which is inspired by like the music of the Balkans. So a lot of my favorite band and like inspirations for the instruments that I play are sort of like ex-Yugoslav rock bands from the '70s and '80s. Um, bands like Bielo Dugme, uh, Diva Jagode, uh, Grupa Smak, U Grupa uh there's like so many uh these bands uh from like the former yugoslavia that sort of that inspired me uh, um but a lot of these bands were also inspired by like the british rock scenes as well so like bands like led zeppelin yeah. like the progressive rock bands of the 70s like the the rolling stones the beatles And then, obviously, the Beatles and Stones and most likely the British musicians, like Eric Clapton, Jeff Beck, all those, were inspired by, like, the American blues music, the R&B music as well. So, like, inspiration from inspiration from inspiration. So, like, for me, it started with the Balkan musicians, the ex-Yugoslav musicians, who then got inspired by the British, and then the British got inspired by the Americans. So it's like a... That's kind of how... uh, Sort of like the music, like what my inspirations are. But as far as like picking uh, like which is like my absolute favorite band or favorite album or that, that's kind of a little bit difficult because I did also study music as well. So uh, while doing uh, like a multimedia degree, I did do some like music courses, uh, like also with my TAFE course years and years ago. So I've learned to sort of appreciate music in various different genres. So it's very, very hard for me to to say one. what's yeah. my, what's my favorite band but I, I like I, I'll give everything a listen and if it intrigues me great if it doesn't then I at least I can say I had a listen it's interesting oh
0: well thank you for going into that for that music stuff Taj with um <laughs> we'll bring it we'll bring it back to KOF slightly um no worries. well SNK title uh Sam Showdown because first time I met you you came over to Nationals 2019 Sam Show was at a really good place uh then um, mm-hmm. shamir blackout and a few other players were really like pushing the game and you were hosting mm-hmm. your regular tournaments and every now and then i'd pop in and you know watch and there was a good turnout obviously for australian and new zealand players mm-hmm. um you do the same thing with kof currently what was it about sam show that made you want to fuel that game and just push it was it just simply the love of the game or was it the love for snk
1: um so i guess the story about why i wanted to sort of Get more eyes and more people playing Samurai Showdown early days is because I felt it was a modern game with modern a modern game look, but it felt like a game that was made in the nineties. Um, and I guess the appeal of the setting, I guess, like the samurais have always been something that I've admired in Japanese culture, like the history the the fact that the characters in Samurai showdown are inspired or homages to like folklore heroes of Japan or like the historic samurais and everything else but so I've always had an interest in in the game, um, as, as a kid. Um, but I guess uh, for me it kind of started with Sam show 5 like on a wimp I basically bought, Samurai Show 5 on the PlayStation 2, and I saw, oh, this is a fighting game with samurais. And then, would you know it, I basically fell in love with the series there and then. So, and th- this wasn't Samurai Show 5 special. This was the Samurai Show 5, like vanilla version of the game. And upon like learning about the history of the series and like for it being the um, the web like. The Pinnacle, or the the premiere weapons fighting game, kind of intrigued me as well. Um, So there's like a lot of things to love about the the game, the series, the characters, like the fact that uh, hits do a lot of damage, like the the pressure, the amount of patience that you need in order to play the game uh, more competently. And on that topic of patience, I think like Samurai Showdown just teaches you the, the best kind of patience cuz if you don't have it, you'll lose 70-80% of your life, no problem.
0: Yeah. That's, yeah. What's been some of your greatest moments hosting those Samurai Showdown tournaments? You used to do them like once a week or once every two weeks? They were quite regular. Uh,
1: yeah, so um so myself and uh, a fellow uh SamSho player, a player who got into FTC uh with the interest of playing Samurai Showdown uh, of Lasta, he started a uh, a circuit or like a, a was it like a 10 games uh 10 tournament circuit like with league points in that called the Shinobi series. Uh, Shinobi series cuz his main character was Galford, so he wanted to have it emphasize that uh so per week basis yeah we were hosting the uh shinobi series prior to that we also had shinobi strike uh which were all um sort of last uh, sort of wanting to promote sam's show but just needed somebody to kind of help in the um like the streaming and the commentary side of things because some people want to focus more on playing the game, being competitive rather than the whole sort of commentary entertainment aspect. So yeah, no, we definitely had like early on in the tournaments, we've had like great players enter um, like obviously Henry, a gangsta head, was coming in playing who is technically still the reigning Sam show champion in Australia because we haven't had a major like offline tournament to crown another champion. So he technically is still the, um, technically the, the, the inaugural champion of Sam Show. I see. Um. So yeah. Um. So like we did the online tournaments and we tried to, like the first week was good. Like we had like 20 plus entrants, I think. But then as time dwindled on, I think the um, sort of having to deal with the games like online infrastructure definitely started to sort of grind on people's nerves. And and their patience was actually wearing thin, unlike a game that's supposed to teach you patience. I think dealing with the online was definitely a, slowly a deterrent that sort of um, forced people to move on. Um, so, yeah, it, it really is um, it is a shame because a, a game... A modern-looking game like this that has a classic feel, where the el- the mind games elements and the matter of this game is just so unique to anything else that uh, was released in uh, 2019. It is really, um, I feel it is a shame that the that sort of like the issues and various things haven't been resolved. Obviously, there are ways to circumvent that, but obviously that can be a little bit complicated and costly um i feel samurai showdown 2019 will go down as one of the most underrated games of 2019 or the decade the 2010s yeah it seriously is i think it's one of the really good maybe one of the best weapon-based fighting games of the modern time
0: yeah because at the time when i was like when it was still around you had that and Soul Caliber and <clears throat> I guess shouting out Soul Calibur, it went through something similar yeah. where, like, it just kind of slowly dropped out of out of view, mm. and th- that's how it appeared to me with Sam show. It was just like a, a a week, like it gave it a week, and there was just nothing. I think the last update I saw was for mm-hmm. a character announcement, and then it just went quiet. But obviously, COVID played a huge part yeah. in that. But yeah, I just. Like, it just, the game just fizzled out, and it's really sad to see games like that, Soul Calibur, as you mentioned, weapon-based games, like, they had their own niche, but they still, mm. yeah, that they, it, was, it was almost felt like a crime against nature that they didn't, yeah. that they weren't able to continue.
1: Yeah, it really is um, a shame that they just, they couldn't, couldn't keep the legs, couldn't keep the, the engine rolling as much. Um, obviously, with the last character release with uh, with Biken, I think uh, people were sort of thinking like once Biken is out, and then once they fix maybe some bugs or issues, then maybe that'll be it. But it was interesting because SNK are technically still somewhat supporting Samsho, but on different platforms. So obviously, the the latest quote-unquote, version to come out was the Xbox Series X version that allowed you to play the game in uh, 120 frames, um, which is, in a way, kind of revolutionary because fighting games have always been 60 frames per second, right? So um, so it seems that there's definitely been some missteps, I think, in the how... As uh, how Samurai Showdown was sort of promoted, sort of the business decisions, but in a way, it was kind of a, a hard-learned lesson by SNK. The fact that they learned what they can and cannot do with regards to releases, um, which definitely then helped in uh, with getting King of Fighters uh, fifteen in a much better space. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Absolutely. I think it was it was a lesson that they needed to learn. Uh, definitely some business decisions at that time about trying to get the game on as many platforms. And then obviously for certain regions that uh, sort of have a PC crowd, that's always been an issue as well. You have no idea if, uh, for a guy who's been trying to push the game for, for a year, a year and a half, for as long as I could uh always having my chat filled is like when's pc when's yeah PC? when's available on
0: steam yeah when steam steam? steam 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 like
1: yeah like i mean even when it did come out on epic Games store like i bought the game because i wanted to support it i tried to push for lobbies or to get people to play it was literally just myself and maybe two or three other people who were like in and out like they weren't consistently playing and then it, it, then we just reverted back to playing on the console because uh, at least on, for my old PC that I have here I wasn't able to optimize it to a point to get it to work but uh trial and error I guess yeah. you learn that kind of stuff but uh, I do hope that there is still hope for Samurai Showdown because obviously it seemed that that game was destined to have a very good offline presence yeah. because uh the it seemed that net code wasn't a priority because how would how we all supposed to know that there was gonna be a global pandemic in 2020? Yeah. So it's, uh, even though at that point there was like the community conversations about improving net play, that kind of stuff, but uh, now it's changed. So we're gonna wait and see what uh, SNK and what future companies were are going to do with regards to that but i do hope when do, things do improve that there will still be room for like an offline scene get together chat play some sets
0: yeah yeah i mean the, the success of KOF 15 would really help so i guess we'll go back a month maybe a few months before i've got a clip of you here playing mark of the wolves so the build-up is you know it's getting is ramped up for KOF 15 what was your opinions on it at the time because you had tried the odd I think did you try the first and the second beta Uh
1: yes so yeah for for King of Fighters 15 uh, uh oh wait we're talking about KOF 15 yes Yeah Yeah. so yeah I have tried the first and second beta uh, um so obviously the 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 issues with the uh the first beta was that there was a uh, significant uh, one-sided uh rollback Uh, where when playing cross-platform between uh, PS4, PS5 uh, and then also PS4 on PS5 via backwards compatibility that there was some uh, uh, issues there. These things would happen as well uh, during the beta so I was glad that they were able to sort out that aspects of it um like hardcore players were definitely saying that the game some aspect of the games was maybe a little bit too strong like for example froze being really strong so if you like time in you, you get like a jump in uh and you hit like the the head of the opponent and you land and you get thrown out of it so like You'll notice that like people that were new to the game uh, were relying a bit more on throws or throw punishes. So that was always uh, seemed like and it seemed like an issue. But then I think it was like a conscious design decision that they wanted to add to that. Um, and then with the second beta, universal praise is the second beta definitely resolved a lot of the issues, um, giving us a lot of new ca- uh, the new characters to try. Um, I definitely enjoyed playing as Antonov um, in the, the second beta. I mean, me being a little bit biased towards characters like Terry, uh, Blue Mary. Uh, so uh, that was probably my more favorite uh, beta period to play because those characters were out. Um, but yeah, the, the prior experience before the game came out has been universally good. And then also when I did the online tournaments for the, during those betas, also received quite well and shout outs to the uh, current online champion chen chen
0: (laughs) Chen Chen. the man yeah man yeah no i i I personally like the game i like how it plays um i like the battle mechanics and if i hadn't and if we hadn't had geese in Tekken seven i don't think i could have appreciated king of fighters 15 for what it is like understanding Mm -hmm. like that's how max mode works and that's how the combo you know that's how the structure works with managing meter Um, yeah but overall like if you could review if you gave the game a rating one out of ten one being absolutely obnoxious and ten being the god of fighting games everywhere what would you rate it right now
1: um so rating it right now um as i did mention previously that there is still some uh small issues with regards to matchmaking so like the that's more from like the online perspective as far as uh, like single-player content, I think there's definitely enough there for, for players new to the game to understand like the lore, the story, the characters. Um, so I'd say... I mean, there's so many various things we can discuss like if you review it. Gameplay, presentation, the music. Oh, seriously, the music in King of Fighters. It's actually is good. So it's good. really nice. It is so good. And the fact that you can uh, unlock the music from... Uh, other KOF games and other SNK titles as well is so good. Like me being a fan of Fatal Fury, I want to unlock the that music and then put certain stages to have Fatal Fury music. But like the 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 default music what King of Fighters fifteen has is really good as well. So yeah, it's so good. So if I was to like rate it on sort of based on my experience of what I had so far, I definitely give it a like a nine out of ten. Um, like I said, there's definitely some aspects, like, the more technical aspects that can be fixed, like, under the hood kind of stuff. But as far as, like, the gameplay, the mechanics, the the base roster, um, I think it's definitely a good package. There's just something for everybody here. And there's just so much to do. Like, I feel like you find three characters, you get good with them. Okay, I'm good with these three characters. Can I, uh can I go and play another three characters? So you, you're getting consistent one team after another, after another, after another. So there is a full package there, which is, uh, it's, it's amazing to say that it, there is stuff there to do from, from like a single player perspective. But it seems like with obviously with the pandemic and the focus on online play, they're definitely pushing for more the, the online kind of stuff. Yeah. To to encourage more online tournaments and uh, for SNK to support uh, tos uh, doing online tournaments and that kind of stuff. Yeah.
0: they obviously they just brought out the Street Fighter six trailer and you can tell that that has a more of an esports vibe. Basically, any fighting game mm. that comes out now is going to have some esports vibe slash influence. Mm. Do you see that in King of Fighters fifteen
1: Um, about that is that I, how... I, I want to say. I mean, t- t- I want to kind of say that I'm on the fence on that uh, aspect of it, uh, but that's largely coming from a, from a, pl- a player, a fan, an enthusiast who kind of grew up with sort of like the grassroots mentality of like competitive fighting games. Um, the way I see it is, SNK should definitely push King of Fighters fifteen to be on that level of like esports supporting it, prize money, getting sponsors. Um it's just a way to to really test the mettle of like the variety of players in um, in different parts of the world because we all play differently. Um, how people in Japan play differently to how players play in Taiwan, how players in China play different to players in Pakistan, how players in uh United States play different to mexico how south america plays different to north africa or something like that there's just um so much variety so it'd be good to get all these like international players together obviously once things open up and people are allowed to travel i think that'll be the the go-to point but just as a as a note it, uh king uh snk did try to do like an esports focus when they did the the SNK World Championships with King of Fighters 14 Um, they had players from all around the world come along uh, but I think from memory at the end it was predominantly a Japan and Asia affair Uh, but I know for a fact that there are very good strong players like in places like Morocco uh, good players in like obviously Mexico Brazil Brazil I mean, everywhere there's like so many cl- great players and i mean obviously the i, I mentioned pakistan before as well uh, like and ash who is renowned for as like tekken god tekken royalty the guy was prior to that he was predominantly a kof player yeah, that's where he got his name that's right so so him now doing uh like ash combos in kof 15 the uh the install super ones is uh, like a and maybe seeing the expression on his face. Like yeah, the guys loving her install loving might the be game.
0: breaking the rules just uh, not even by a little bit, but that's just like what you link <laughs> you can link your normals and your supers together. Like yeah. incidentally. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's it's I think it I want to say it may get nerfed, but uh it's it to me it doesn't feel like it's that difficult to do. I mean I can't do it personally because my execution is not as great as what it used to be. It's uh it's a bit rubbish <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: well actually one thing I do like about King of Fighters is how they change the focus they take they change the protagonist in a way so like I didn't know this you know like Ash and K Dash and mm. uh, uh, Kyo um yeah. and then with Sh- and then with Shune like I had, I read this interesting comment about when they announced the street F- when they looked at the Street Fighter Six trailer, you know Ryu had his hotbed look no shirt. Um I think mm. he's wearing a Kuma's and someone I forgot which video but someone said that you know that's how you evolve the character. How do you evolve a franchise like King of Fighters 15? How would you evolve a franchise like King of Fighters 15 if it had to, if it needed to evolve?
1: If it needed to evolve, well, I mean how the game and how the series evolves is based around the sagas essentially. So every every game had a different protagonist was like a uh, a chapter like the uh, the story chapters of that so like shune was is the protagonist of this series whether people like it or not uh he his stylings and that is definitely meant to attract that specific crowd and i don't know what sort of the mindset was behind, like why Shunai has this particular sort of styling, color choices, and that. But it's it's a style of fashion or a style that I think Westerners are not familiar with from, from my understanding. Um, but that's how uh, King of Fighters evolves. I think the series evolves not so much Gameplay wise, but like from character wise, based on each of the sagas. So you have the Orochi saga, which had like the three, uh, the three games that focused on defeating Orochi. Like Orochi got resurrected by the Hakusho uh, Genets, the leader, and then you had Sheremi Chris, and Yashiro were a part of the Hakusho. And then after that game finishes, you have. Kyo, who gets kidnapped, who was the first protagonist, gets kidnapped by nests, that in- initiates the the nest saga, and then there's the whole story there. And then SNK, I think, definitely took a gamble, like when they made Ash the protagonist of the uh, the Ash saga. So it's it really is a gamble. Yeah. That changing the the protagonist each game and how it evolves um, I mean with how Street Fighter is doing it I think by having Luke be the last DLC character before Street Fighter 6 comes out rather than just giving us a brand new protagonist I think uh, that's definitely a smart move gradually letting people know okay we're now transitioning from Ryu Ryu will always be in Street Fighter but now we need to pass the reins. Yeah, but the reins—the way how SNK passed the reins from one protagonist to another—it's not like, okay, here you go, you're now the protagonist. It's like I am now going to step on the backs on, on the wayside or something like that. Because the the characters that were previously protagonists in the older sagas still have some kind of relevance to the story, because it's all it all circles around the uh, like the, the the notion of Orochi. basically so like that's even though nest's job in that saga was to take over the world uh through kia clones in some way or form it all circles back to orochi
0: nice all right man well i'll circle it back to kof in terms of the dlc announcement so yeah you can quickly go over as we uh review it so the first i guess dlc team for Mm -hmm. for the game I mean, were people really surprised that you know your boy Ah Howard made it?
1: Um, uh well, I mean, when you see Team Garo and Rocky was going to be in the game regardless because they had the assets from 14. So, and the fact is that this character is is like a shoe in, for like a DLC purchase. Like people will play this character, they'll figure him out. It's got some new moves. Uh, obviously all. Uh, sort of relating back to his Garo form, which is really good. Uh, and plus his Raging Storm looks pretty sick mm. too. Uh, Gato has definitely been a bit more of like a polarizing character. Uh, his KOF 11 version has always been uh, a nightmare to deal with. Uh, but when after I saw the trailer and I saw some of the stuff that he can do, I was like, oh no, H- here comes trouble. We, we thought that Ralph and Vanessa and all the other characters who are now like Like, really strong. I think these first renditions of DLC are going to be really, really strong. Like, Gato definitely looks strong. Um, Janet's been, like, asked many, many years. Again, her last appearance being in KOF 11, um, she definitely seems like she retains a lot of those elements of her. She's just a fan favorite. And uh, I love that SNK are just giving love. To the Garo characters, because it means that we could be getting, maybe Garo, Fatal Fury news, and then to see her climax be the El Mademoiselle, which is the, uh, which was the God Cancel hidden super in Garo, now being a climax. It means we'll be seeing that super a lot more often. It's beautiful. And then obviously, uh, being a fan of Fatal Fury, and I go for protagonists. Uh, I am generally not a fan of Geese Howard, <laughs> uh, Billy, or yeah. Yamazaki, mainly because they're bad guys. Like, I love them as, like, they're cool. People find them cool and appealing. Me, personally, from, like, a story perspective, like, I'm not a fan of them. <laughs>
0: yeah. Don't worry. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm not a fan from Geese and Tiggins even either. Yeah. Hell no. Um,
1: yeah. So uh, I think the, the package that they've announced for the 12 characters for the first year, I think is going to be a really good incentive for people to stick with the game and then surprises to come you never know like we'll be getting probably just not king of fighters 15 years There'll be other news and announcements collaborations so like you never know like this year like 2022 is the year of kof literally yeah so tekken's dying be... down
0: street fighters dying down like this is the best time yeah. for kof 15 yeah. yeah,
1: like absolutely. Like, if you were to ask me the question, like, what's the best time to get into King of Fighters, this is it. Like, this is if if we, if we in the SK community, KOF community, can get a year to ourselves, it would be this. But I mean, that's just me being a little bit biased, a little bit selfish on that because we want to be polite and let uh, Guilty Gear Strive happen, still let Tekken happen and Street Fighter V happen. Uh, and then obviously other games as well, obviously uh, Melty Blood yeah. as well and I mean even platform fighters as well, we gotta give them the, the spotlight as well
0: all right. well, we're gonna wrap it up now man, I'll give you the spotlight I will give you
1: okay <laughs> final round questions all good
0: oh, there we go Right, just some final round questions in the, the night. Okay, first one is, what's your favorite music ballad? Oh, is there a pass option? Yeah, you can pass if you want.
1: Yeah, again, music-related questions are hard to ask. Yeah,
0: me. Nah, no, no <laughs> worries. Next one: What's the worst mix-up situation you could possibly be in while playing KoF fifteen?
1: Um, in the words of Chen uh chen chen the uh the clark vortex (laughs) yeah that like the the worst mix-up situation or like guessing where clark's gonna be i think yeah we'll we'll call it the clark vortex i think that's probably like the worst (laughs) mix-up
0: all right next any thoughts on the recent six street fighter six teaser trailer
1: um i'm curious whether or not Street Fighter Six is using RE Engine. That's my thoughts on that.
0: And what's the next goal or achievement you're aiming for?
1: So as far as like achievements and goals, like I, ideally, I do want to continue promoting SNK games and like the SNK community here in the Oceania region through streaming, maybe hosting events, and just letting everyone around the world know that we have passionate people who love these kind of games and um, just and also continue to spread it in a more sort of positive optimistic way because i always sort of say it's all about fighting game goodness and i use the word good and goodness quite a bit and that's just sort of like the Kind of like a motto that i go by because if you spread positivity and goodness with the games that you play that uh, people will learn to love and appreciate the games for what they are so i will continue promoting sK goodness in the region of oceania
0: nice man and taj who is your waifu blue mary <laughs> are we are you going to get any heat for that like is she is she an uh, honest pick is she a good is she an honest woman
1: Uh, So there is actually a bit of a story behind why Blue Mary, actually. Uh, So the story is um, there was a girl uh, when I was, I think it was at either university or, or not university, at a university or high school, one of those, that actually a girl that had the exact same haircut as Blue Mary that I actually had a crush on. So when I found that there was a character that had the exact same hairstyle not personality wise but just hairstyle it immediately made me think of that girl that i had a crush on i think it was like a girl that i had probably like my first crush and that's why i kind of think of blue mary and she's my waifu so reminds me of my first crush
0: oh hey taj thank you so much man is there anything you want to say um last words or shout outs to people to, to, to the people that know you or the people that follow you. Let, them know, let the people know what you're doing. Where can they find you?
1: Okay. Uh, so, yeah, if you uh, guys and girls want to follow me, uh, you can follow me on Twitter. So, at Taj Garo. I think Drex has the information there. Um, so, I do stream as well. So, at twitch.tv slash Taj Garo. I, uh, I do try to stream uh, as much as I can. Uh, Tuesdays are... Fighting game goodness, I try to keep them uh, consistent, uh, whether it is KOF 15 focused, SNK games focused, or other fighting games related stuff. Um, Yeah, um, just, and I do also have a Discord, um, which I generally post out uh, when I do my live streams. Uh, I generally try to keep things positive and exciting there. We talk about music, games, and other stuff. Uh, what other shout-outs? Um, I mean, I guess just shout-outs to everyone in Australia, New Zealand, the whole Oceania region that is doing um, what they can to promote King of Fighters 15 and all things SNK in the region, uh, whether it be hosting tournaments, hosting lobbies, uh, training sessions with other players, whether it's online or offline, just playing... SNK games. So, mes- massive shout-outs to d- everyone there. Um, especially, I do also want to give a shout-out to my uh, my two sort of good friends who have been sort of giving me ideas and we've been sort of bouncing off ideas about what we can do to raise SNK game profile in Australia. So, my good friend Dark Chaotix. Uh, who makes really good combo videos. You should definitely check him out on uh, Twitter and on YouTube, where you'll find his videos. And I've previously mentioned the current online KOF 15 champion, Chen Chen, who is uh, doing a really, really good job and playing the game and really solid player. Um... And he also has a shop opening up soon in Sydney where he will be uh, hosting offline events once things get a little bit more better. So, uh, yeah, I guess uh, thank you.
0: Thank you. You're welcome.